Hey, welcome to the Simple Profits Podcast. I'm your host, Jake. This is a show about increasing profits, but unlike other shows, we don't just have people talking heads talking about profits. We actually have people, business owners and experts showing you how to do the things that they're doing well. So if you think TED Talks, big ideas, very interesting people meets dirty jobs or micro where you go follow around blue collar people who would show them like over their shoulder exactly how to do the work. That's it for TED Talks plus dirty jobs plus profits equals things that you can do this week. So stay tuned. Coming right up, we have another great guest. We'll see you there. So I was talking to my friend Drew the other day, and we want to open a combination of co-working space for more of the creative types, uh, but we want that in the back or upstairs, and then out front have a really cool coffee shop because most of the people that we know between Drew and I uh, are either solopreneurs or we have just a small group uh, in our company and we're remote and we're working towards, you know, going from that one to 10 million in revenue. Uh, but a lot of people, as you know, we're working remotely, which is cool. So uh, if we could come up with our own spot and we could have uh, a coffee place that's really cool and fun to hang out with, it, you just want to be there. And then you can also be a member of the co-working space uh, where there's all sorts of cool discounts we can pass back and forth. Anyway, we've got this idea, right? We've got this idea. We were looking at investors and places to set this place up. Um, and then Drew and I go, how long would we want to own this thing? Would this be like the rest of our lives? Probably not. And would it be, hey, we want to do this for the next 20 years? Maybe, but probably not. So we got to thinking about, okay, what could we do to start this thing? get investors, get it started, get it full of people and then sell it and then just hang out there and get the, the benefits, right? That would be cool. So we have to do some exit planning. Not about you, but I have not done a ton of exit planning in my day, but I know the best time to start thinking about to the end is yesterday. <laughs> and if you haven't done it already, then it's today. So that is who we're going to be talking to an expert today. He's a, a fractional CMO, but he does exit planning. And that's important because it will actually bring up the profits in your business today, because as you bring your profits up today, it increases the price you can sell for in the future. So Brian has spent over 30 years successfully leading finance, FP&A and business process. He's got experience across multiple industries, ranging from small to large private companies owned individually owned by equity companies, large public companies. So he's been across the board. He knows all the things. He says his approach to driving positive results for the stakeholders is to partner with the owners and the executive teams and the operational leadership. So combining those pieces together so that they're all speaking the same language. And he says, whether it's determining the best metrics that drive the business or strategic planning or modeling or overhauls or whatever it is, he has a passion to help business owners succeed. So stay tuned, lock in. We are going to talk and hear some great stuff about exit planning, which will make you money from our guest today, Brian Moan. Here with my guest, like we talked about in the intro, uh, Brian Moan. Brian, it's great for you to be here today. Oh, thanks for having me. 
Yeah, yeah. And you have a specialty uh, in particular that I think we're going to talk a little bit more about today um, that, that I'm excited to hear more about. Uh, but you're, you're a fractional CFO, right? Yes. So tell everybody who doesn't know what a fractional CFO is, what that is, and then how you got there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, fractional CFO, uh, you know, I, I, had, I didn't know what a fractional CFO was uh, not that long ago. Uh, there's uh, pe some people would call it consulting. Um, fractional uh, really is a term that really states, I work with a lot of different clients. They get a fraction of my time and then they are able to take advantage of the expertise of a CFO in a smaller company at a fraction of the cost. Uh, and that's, that's the benefit that really uh, for companies uh, in my wheelhouse, 5 million to 50 million really get a great benefit of not having the full born expense, but great strategic financial leadership in their company. Okay, cool, cool. So what uh, are some things that a CFO typically does in a company? The, with the with the clients I have, you know, starting off, most of them don't have a finance function, like a finance leadership finance function. A lot of times, it's the business owner who's been doing that. Hmm. They've had maybe some help from family, and you know, these uh, individually owned businesses uh, do tend to. Uh, you're a person with many hats, and you do a lot of things, and and some of them you're amazing at, and others uh, you're just doing them because you're the only one there. Right. And when you get to a certain size, that starts to be problematic, you know, where you're uh, getting outside over your skis. And that's when I come in and start to take an evaluation of how things have been done, the way that they have been doing them when they've been wearing their uh, CFO hat, and then and then help them understand uh, where we can improve on that because I've got the experience that they don't. Right, right. So you said you were only recently really familiar with a fractional CFO. What were you doing before that? Before that, I was a, I was a CFO and COO for a, a small startup a healthcare company. Mm -hmm. And uh, prior to that, I was a CFO for a large division of a warranty services company. Uh, and then many hats okay. before that. Yep, yep, yep. Okay. And so you, you've been used to looking at the financial part of a business and, and leading those decisions for a while. And you decided you wanted to help more people, right? Yes. Okay. Right. So, so let's dig into that. Let's talk a little bit more about what is it that made you want to go from helping one group to many groups? Well, throughout my experience, I've had uh, opportunity to work in many different industries. I've, I've been in uh, retail, I've been in insurance, I've been in warranty, very similar to insurance. I've been in manufacturing, I've been in the healthcare business, I've been in the SaaS business. I've had a uh, great opportunities to learn uh, a lot of different uh, formats, markets, and you know work with a lot of great people in in, in different um, uh, different categories of business. And it's just been it's been fantastic. I like the change. I like the dynamic differences between everything. I feel like you're in the constant learning curve, and I always enjoy that. I. Uh, a little over a year ago, I really wanted to kind of get into starting my own business. Um, I, I started to explore that as a fractional CFO, uh, figured out what the term meant. I got excited about it and then uh, joined up with um, as a contractor with New Life CFO to uh, to really start that journey. And it's, it's just been fantastic. And my, my, my current client place is very diverse as well. You know, I've got construction, I've got SaaS, I've got um, some, uh, manufacturing, I've got, uh, um, unique things like, uh, a 
fine arts moving in storage and you know and I've, got, I've got some others that are just consultant based businesses as well so mm-hmm. uh so that's been a lot of fun to meet a lot of uh, owners of different different markets and help them you know achieve their goals gotcha so what would you say in your experience so far not just in the past year but just as a a cfo are some crazy things you've seen in finance that that companies are trying to do not necessarily illegal yeah. but just like what are you guys doing? Yeah. Well, you know, when you're, when you've been in the kind of finance element and a CFO before, uh, planning is huge. I mean, you, you do, you do very little without goals and plans and structure and, and process and everything like that. And, and, and some of the, the where they found the most struggle is just the lack of, lack of process, just lack of planning. Um, not, not because um, people didn't want to do it necessarily. Maybe they didn't know how to do it, or or didn't know how important it was to do it. It's just those those things uh, are usually the first thing that um, I would say. It's not like crazy decision making. It's usually something that just um, as an owner of a business wearing multiple hats, you just don't. It's like one of those things that I'll do that next time. I'll do that next year. I'm gonna start okay. working on that. And then uh, the you know night time comes and you have to go to sleep. And then the next day comes and it's the same thing over again. So, yeah. so the the biggest uh, the biggest and most common struggle is this: the lack of process, lack of planning, and um, which creates great opportunity for companies to be able to uh, um, really put those things in place with some help and uh, and start to see what that really does for their business. And it usually really de-risks your business and solidifies you know uh, the way that you can grow. Okay, so as we're heading towards like this profit center we want to talk about on the show today, there's a couple more things I just want to ask you about financial in general, right? You said there's the processes and planning open up opportunities, uh, and of course they're going to help mitigate any risk. You know, mm-hmm. the, the, kind of like most people think taxes, but there's way more than that, right? There's cash flow, there's yeah. um, inventory management, there's all sorts of stuff you got to worry about. What are some immediate things that come to mind for you as, as someone who does this planning and process that are that every day that people miss? Okay. Well, the one thing, um, especially in smaller businesses, is really understanding your cash flow. That, that seems to be the biggest thing. And like what, okay. what most business owners, in, as they're growing in their business, uh, many of them will tell you just, you know, they always go out of sleep at night just wondering if they're going to be able to make payroll the next pay period. Right. And and really having a cash forecast in the system to do so on mm-hmm. a regular basis. I, I promote weekly, so uh, with a thirteen week view, so that you can see uh, see where you're going, and uh, and and have some comfort to know that hey, when these things fall in line, payroll's not an issue, and yep. or you know in advance, hey, I need to start thinking about how to address uh, these three things because. You know, in, in about seven weeks, it looks like I might have a challenge because of my billing cycle or, you know, whatever I'm expecting from cash receipts to come in is going to be right. short of what I need to pay. Right. And so what do you hear? Okay, let me ask this first. Let's say you've got a small business who understands that problem, that they have enough cash for the next 13 weeks, let's say. They, they're, mm-hmm. they're consistent. They have a good business problem. I'm, I'm going to go one deeper. What's the next thing that they deal with? They know they have a cash flow issue, but they have money. Yeah. So, so they have so a cash flow issue, but they have money. Yeah. Is, okay. Yeah. Got it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, 
you've got a runway then, right? So you that the thing we would like to talk about is like, what's my runway of cash? So if you have X number of months of uh, cash on hand to handle your current expenses, you know, payroll, cost of goods sold, um, overhead that, you know, if you've got, you got a run rate, but you see that as the, the what the model's great at doing is um, seeing how that trend, like, are you trending where your cash is growing or are you trending where it's shrinking? So okay. identifying the shrink and just say that, hey, we know that we have at this pace, if we continue to lose money as, as we are or bleed cash as we are, we have about four months. So that, that gives you a runway of being able to make some decisions on like, how can we flip that around? And, you know, it give, you know, the good thing about that is that you have a little bit more time, but without the visibility of that, that's, that time goes by fast. And if you're yeah. not proactive about it, uh, you find yourself in a desperate situation. Yeah. It'll creep up on you. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Well, so this is the simple profits podcast. So one of the things that you and I talk about off air that I'd like to chat more about is, uh, exit planning, yeah. right? And you don't have to be 63 <laughs> with a 25 year old business getting ready yeah. to sell to think about exit planning. Right. So let's, uh, just talk real quick about how would you define exit planning for the, the standard business owner? Yeah. Um, for, I think the standard business owner does not, uh, you know, the statistics are pretty profound when it comes to exit planning it, it, right now, there's literally you know, from the Exit Planning Institute, and that's where I get a lot of my statistics that I share with people is um, 79% of business owners do not have a, any type of written transition plan. I mean, they've not really gone to the depths of thinking about what's the next step of their life going to be and in a transition of a business. Um, and, you know, that's, that's a challenge. You know, 50% of those people have literally done no planning at all. And, and so, the uh, getting uh, business owners that I'm working with or that I get introduced to to start thinking, you know, at some point this business will transition. And, and the way to kind of flip the script on it is, you know, where are you at today? You know, like say if you wanted to sell it today, where would you be at? And would you be able to sell it today? Mm-hmm. And, and, and what would you get from it? And would that take care of your next? And, and once you see what that picture looks like, then, you know, if you're not really looking to sell in the next year or two or six months, then you can, you can start making a plan to start to, uh, you know, we'll talk about different gaps that people would have, like their wealth gap, the profit gap of the business and the value gap that's in the business. Um, those three things are critical things you can measure along the way to see how you can get to your uh, owner's goals. But most people don't have a plan. They, they you know, early on, they, they, just have not thought about it. They have not put anything in place and they need to start thinking through, like if, if you were always ready to sell, that's a pretty good place to be. Yeah. And, and if you get yourself to a position where, and that take, that does take some time. So it's an effort and it's work and it's focus. And, but if you're always ready to sell, then when an opportunity comes, you're in a great position to be able to exit from a personal standpoint, you know, from the business standpoint, um, and, and you're, it's not as scary to go to that next step. Okay. So you said three things there and I only caught two wealth gap, value gap. What was the other one? And profit. Yeah. Profit gap. Okay, cool. So give me just a quick definition of each of those. Yeah. So the wealth gap would be, 
the business owner wants to have a certain lifestyle when they're done with the business. You know, the, what, what, what goals and plans do they have post uh, exit of the business? And for example, let's say that they need to have roughly $10 million of um, investable assets to be able to support that lifestyle. Uh, if you look at their current um, assets today and they're only at $2 million, then their gap is $8 million. Um, most people, it's a difficult, you know, that's a pretty difficult gap to make up. But as a business owner, you have a possibility to make that up through the sale of, of a business. Okay. So that's that's one lens to look through is, is uh, that's your wealth gap. So that gives us an idea of what we have to make up and what value we have to achieve in the business. Uh, the profit gap is, uh, this is what I say is like a beautiful, like kind of ongoing thing. Every mm -hmm. business, regardless of whether you're thinking on the exit plan or not, has probably a profit gap um, mm -hmm. where if you were to compare yourself to average in your industry or your benchmark or even what's your best in class, if there's a difference between where you're coming in today and where, where those things are, that's your profit gap. The goal should be, you know, comparison is good in a lot of cases. so. Compare yourself to these things, see what the good companies are doing different than you are, start to implement those things over time and start to get that profit. Right. Uh, the wonderful right. thing about that is, is you increase your EBITDA over time, which would be great from your multiple standpoint when you sell a company, but who would want, you know, another $500,000 million worth of, you know, EBITDA and cash flow on a regular basis anyway. So, so, so that's a, that's the profit gap and the value gap really is the difference between if you were to do a valuation on your company today and you're uh, because of, you know, a lot of the, a lot of what goes into your multiple isn't just um, the industry you're in and the size of your EBITDA. A lot of it has to do with the risk that you have in the business, the intangible assets and, and things like that, your, you know, people and, uh, and products and customer concentration. And there's a lot of the factors that go into where you would land from a multiple standpoint. So, um, so if you're in a lower than average or lower than best in class multiple, that means you do have a gap there that you can start to make up. Right. And, and that multiple on top of the increase in the profit gap really makes a difference on the, on the back end when you sell the company. So when you focus on the value along the way, it increases your profits real time as well as uh, it increases your ability at that exit to make up that wealth gap that may seem pretty daunting at the beginning. Right. And for those who don't know, define EBITDA for people. EBITDA, earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. There you go. It's money. It's right. It's money, money you take. Yeah. It's, a, it's a close proximity to cash flow. Yes. Correct. Yep. Not uh, quite, but close. <laughs> yep. Close, as close as you can get. Yeah. So you actually, actually started to answer my next question, which was, Sure, exit planning, most people, at least who have heard of exit planning, think when I sell my business, there's some mm -hmm. things I need to do so that I can sell it for as much as I can get for, on the market for it, right? But you also started hinting at that it actually increases the value of your company today, right? It increases yeah. cash flow, it increases revenue, it increases profit. It, it starts closing those gaps that you talk about. Yes. So just tell me, uh, do you have a story about somebody that, that you're they're talking to here recently about how they're going through this exit planning strategy and kind of what's going on in their mind? Yeah, the, so it's a good concept of, hey, another person wasn't really, wasn't really thinking, was kind of thinking about it, but not really thinking about it, not really um, um, thinking through, hey, we, we do have to be proactive about how we manage this because, uh, because now the, they have a deadline. You know, so they, they say, hey, I do want to exit in, let's say, three years. 
So, uh, so now we've got a road, you know, we've got a roadmap of a time at least. So how do we fill that roadmap to try to do exactly what I was describing before? Um, take the difference in their wealth gap, look at what their business valuation is today, and then put, start working through a process. And, uh, if you're a fan of EOS and, 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 you know, working in the 90 day increments and milestones and things like that, that this is a very similar process of just taking those bite-sized chunks, 90 days at a time mm -hmm. to start creating the additional value that you get into it. And it does multiply itself on top of each other as you go. Uh, and, and getting them starting thinking about, Hey, this is, this is a process and, and, you know, we're still working through the, like, how, how will it be? And is three years the right time? You know, the, the goal of three years is fantastic because it gives us a, some bookends on it. Um, but you have to actually understand, like, can you create, can you make up the gap in three years? So it's yeah. a, it is a little dynamic, but, uh, but the process, you know, part of the process is, um, is, is just learning as you go and, 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 you know, but being proactive about how you are addressing it. Yep. So it's an eye-opening experience for them and, and, and they're, uh, they're excited to go on the journey and uh, I, I believe it will work out well for them. So what would you say then are a couple of the most likely objections you're going to get when you come in there and start talking to them? What are some things that they're like, eh, I don't know about that. Yeah, well, one of the things uh, that you'll commonly understand is the owners, you know, this is their baby. They've been, you know, they created this thing you know, likely from scratch, maybe they bought into it at some point, but they're, they're running it, they're active in it, they're, they know this business better than anybody else. Um, but they've never really done a true valuation, but they have some concept of what they think it, the value is based off of, you know, the um, country club valuations, like you and me golf and you say somebody in a company very similar to yours sold theirs 10X EBITDA. And, and so they get this thing in their mind about like what the, what the worth is and, 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 immediately they think, Hey, I could take care of my wealth gap tomorrow. Um, but once you kind of pull back, you know, the layers on it and start to look at like how much risk is in the business, what's your customer concentration, what's, what's your vendor concentration, you know, what's, uh, you know, are all the vendors, the business owners, friends, are all the customers, the business owners, friends, you know, there's, there's different elements that, uh, when you're an outside buyer coming in, you might think that stuff is uh, risky and, and you say, okay, I, I don't know that. You know, if, if I'm going to buy this company, the amount of risk in it makes me think the price needs to be down here where the business owner thinks the price should be up here. Right. It's, that, like, it's not that you're calling the baby ugly, but you're going, your baby is not as pretty as you think. That's, that's right. And, and that, that's a, that's a tough pill to swallow. And, and if, uh, you know, I, I just encourage business owners, like, like, let's walk through the process. Let's do like a real valuation. Let's understand what those risks are because, um, you know, it, everybody thinks their baby's the most beautiful baby in the world, but not all of them are. And it's just a fact that we have to live with. And, and, uh, the so sooner you get to the, I'm going to live with that, the sooner you're able to start making a difference and improve it. Yep. Humble pie in every business is almost always the hardest thing to deal with, isn't it? So, That's right. Yes. Yeah. Okay, cool, cool. All right. So we are out going to transition to our lightning round, which is Brian, we have business owners that are listening typically are over a million, right? They've got a business that's working. They've got stuff going on. What is the one or two things that you would tell them that they could start this week that would help them close any one of those gaps? 
Yeah. Just a practical task to go look at something and do something this week. What would those be? First thing I would say is to do a quick evaluation of the risk. And sometimes what, what business owners don't do is lean on their leadership teams. You know, the people that are doing a lot of the, the day-to-day work is, is you can get a very different perspective in talking to a business owner about the, the, the pros and cons of what's going on or the, the, the beauty and the risk within their business versus what the, the staff will say. Right. Um, having that full concept and like doing an evaluation of where you have risk is, is the first thing. Because in any exit planning journey, when you start going after what can we change, you want to mitigate risk. You want to mitigate risk on the personal side. You want to definitely mitigate risk on the business side so that um, anything that would be uh, uh, something that would decrease the value of the business in the long run would go away. And frankly, if something happens along the way, death, disability, you know, some type of a disagreement in a partnership, you know, one of those things happens, something's going to change. And so the, to the degree you've got those risks covered, um, it makes the flow much, much better. So the first thing I'd say is like, look at your risks, de-risk the business as quickly as possible. Okay. The other is plan. Just definitely have a plan, have a cash plan, have a, have a, have a definite strategic plan and have, uh, have, you know, regular meetings about how you're progressing towards that plan and then pivot and make changes as you need to. Awesome. Great. Brian, thanks a bunch. Uh, where can people find you if they want to hang out with you some more? Yeah, so you can uh, you can uh, look me up on, um, on the New Life CFO's website. Um, you can reach out to me at Brian M at newlifecfo.com. I'm also on LinkedIn, and uh, and you know get a hold of me there if you want to talk or and learn more about what I do or exit planning in general. That's great. Awesome. Well, we'll put his links down below so that you can get to him real easy here on this episode. Brian, thanks a bunch for sharing just a little bit of your knowledge with us today. Appreciate it, Jake. Uh, Thank you for your time. All right. And we will see all of y'all next week with our next episode when we'll have another expert talking about a simple profit center that you can look at and do something with today. Thanks for joining y'all.